Today, I want to take a deep dive into how you can optimize your two-foot approach technique to start jumping higher immediately. Yeah, straight A student, but I'm friends with a cool kid. Following the rules and the rubric. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the GT Performance Podcast, where we have a conversation dedicated to athlete development. So you can help your athlete get faster, stronger, healthier, and prepared for real-world success. My name is Dr. Zach Geyser, and I am a sports performance coach, physical therapist, girl dad, and nerd about all things athletics. Our conversation is centered around how you can jump higher today. So there are really only two methods that you can use to jump higher. If we break everything down, there's only two ways you can start jumping higher. Number one is to become a more physically dominant specimen. So that's getting ridiculously strong. That's increasing your nervous system's efficiency. That's improving your tendon stiffness and elasticity. Number two, however, is using better techniques. So this allows you to get the most out of whatever your current physical capabilities are. Method one takes time. You can't cheat the process of changing your body structure. Method two, however, can yield instantaneous results. So while you're not going to get ridiculously strong overnight, you're not going to change your tendons, Young's modulus overnight. You can change your technique overnight. For some people, it might take a little time to learn the new technique, but once that new technique clicks, we can see a night and day difference in jump capability. There are several different types of jumps. We can categorize them for the most part down into three categories throughout. A standing vert, a one foot approach vert, and a two foot approach vert. Compared to the other two, technique plays the biggest role in a two foot approach jump. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. Today, I want to take a deep dive into how you can optimize your two-foot approach technique to start jumping higher immediately. We can break down the two-foot approach vert into four phases. Phase one, approach. Phase two, penultimate. Phase three, plant slash block. Phase four, takeoff. If you don't want to listen to the rest of this podcast, if you're in a super big rush, here's the TLDR version. Takeaway number one, optimize your approach speed. If you run too slow, you'll be leaving momentum on the table. If you run too fast, you'll drift too far forward in your jump. Takeaway number two, have a big penultimate push. A long penultimate sets the stage to take everything from horizontal to vertical. Takeaway number three, master the slight turn on your plant and block landings so you can have a steep angle. You have to be strong enough to handle a steep angle, though. So if you're not strong enough, you could end up hurting yourself. Okay. Into the first of the four phases, your approach. The approach is all about building up enough speed, but not too much speed. The faster you run in your approach, the more horizontal force you'll have, more horizontal momentum you'll have. More force leads to a higher jump, but you have to be able to transfer that horizontal force into vertical force in your penultimate and plant slash block phases. If you run too fast, you won't be able to transfer all that force into vertical force. You end up jumping forward instead of straight up. If you run too slow, then you won't really have enough force to jump high enough. Both approaching too fast and approaching too slow can limit jump height. If you run too fast, you're going to build up too much momentum that you're not strong enough to be able to take in that horizontal, from that horizontal direction and use it in a vertical direction. So that's why strength plays a big role in this. However strong you are kind of dictates how much you're going to be able to handle that approach speed. And strength is relative. It's not always talking about how much you back squat. It's talking about how strong you are in that position. The stronger you are, the more forces you can handle, the faster your approach speed can be. If you're weak and untrained, you're probably not going to be able to build up too much speed on a two-foot approach jump. Phase number two is the penultimate step. If you really want to change your jump height today, 
master the penultimate step. The word ultimate means last. So penultimate means second to last. The penultimate step is the second to last step that you take in an approach vert. The penultimate sets the stage to take all of that horizontal momentum that you build up and redirect it vertically. The three big factors we're looking for in a penultimate step, and there's a lot that you can look for. The three ones I want you to take away today though, are length, level, and swing. So when we talk about length, you wanna have a long penultimate. A long penultimate sets the shins up to reorient momentum from horizontal to vertical. The shins are gonna land more horizontal, which gives them time to absorb all of that horizontal momentum and then release it vertically as the shins rock from horizontal to vertical. A good rule of thumb is to look to see if your back knee extends past your hip in the penultimate step. So if your back knee is gonna be your right knee, you wanna make sure that your right knee is behind your hip in a vertical direction. If it doesn't, you'll wanna work on your penultimate push to start gaining more ground. This is something you can just practice. Practice getting a big push. It's not a step, it's a big push where you gain some hang time, you gain some air. Both feet are gonna be in the air at the same time. The penultimate step, the long penultimate step, also sets up the hips in a low position, which flows into our next point. So again, we talked about the three things being length, level, and swing. We talked about length, long penultimate, short penultimate, doesn't give you time to transfer all of that horizontal momentum and take it in a vertical direction. The next thing we wanna talk about is level. So the long penultimate, having a good long penultimate push, allows you to stay lower. Staying low allows you for to allows for you to land with an optimal length tension relationship of the muscles and tendons of the lower body. For the muscles, this allows them to operate in the position where they have the strongest contractions. For the tendons, this allows them to have enough of a pre-stretch where they can recoil out like a rubber band. By landing in the low position, you can have a quick ground contact time. If you didn't land in that position, then you would have to re-lower after you land. So you want to set yourself up so that you can take all of that horizontal momentum and immediately use it in a vertical direction once you're able to kind of redirect that force. If you have to re-lower after you land, that's going to waste the efficiency of those elastic structures. So those elastic structures work like rubber bands, where when you stretch them out, so if you stretch out those tendons, if you stretched out, uh, if you stretch out to a degree, those muscles, they have elastic properties to them, they're going to have an elastic recoil, okay? Um, so when you stretch them out, they're gonna fire back with more force. But the more time that this takes, the more elastic potential energy is dissipated as heat. We call this process hysteresis. And so um, if you immediately go from pulling that rubber band and release it quickly, you're gonna use almost all of that elastic potential energy that you had. But if you take some time, you kind of hold it there for a little bit, a lot of that potential energy is gonna dissipate out and you won't be able to use that. So you wanna make sure that you're able to lower yourself during that step, not after that step, so that way you don't have to re-lower after you land. It's also important to note that the lowering should not come from the torso. You want to keep your torso or your chest vertical. This keeps your center of mass behind your ground contact points. Again, the theme of this is that you want to take horizontal momentum, transfer it into vertical force. If your center of mass is significantly behind where your foot contacts the ground at, 
you're going to have more time to absorb all of that horizontal momentum and take it into a vertical direction. If your chest is facing down, then you're not going to have as much time. Your center of mass is going to be more forward. If your chest is vertical and backwards, like you're sitting in a chair, then you're going to have more time to be able to, you're going to have longer ground contact times to a degree, but you have more room, I should say, to be able to redirect that horizontal momentum into vertical force. Number three, the third point of the penultimate is the swing. Having a big arm swing allows you to create upward momentum and aid in your takeoff. So if you have a big arm swing, you have more room to build up upward momentum. And this forward arm swing will allow you to gain more lift as you get off the ground. The forward arm swing should begin at the heel strike of your penultimate step. So at the end of the day, a lot of this is all about timing. If you have bad timing, this isn't going to matter so much. The big arm swing is not going to matter so much if it's not timed appropriately. So you want to start bringing your arms forward at about the time where your heel contacts the ground. By timing this upright, your arms can play a big role in giving you more lift. Okay, quick recap, real quick. We talked about the fact we have four phases. We've gone over the first two. We've gone over the approach. We've gone over the penultimate. Now we're on to the plant and block landings. The plant foot is the first foot to land. The leg that lands after the penultimate step. This plant foot should be turned outwards. This turn step aids in having more horizontal shin angles to transfer horizontal momentum to vertical force. That's a reoccurring theme here. If you're a right-handed volleyball player, you will use a right-left jump. That means the last two steps are right foot, then left foot. So your right foot lands, then your left foot lands. This plant foot will be the right foot and it will be turned rightwards. So if you're a right-handed volleyball player approaching the net, you want to have your chest when you land or whenever you're in the air, you want to have it facing rightwards because that's going to allow you to have a better arm swing. So you're going to take a right-left approach or you're going to do a right-left jump and you're going to land with that right foot facing rightwards. Block leg is the last foot to land. It will turn inward. So it ends up being the same direction as the plant leg. So that left foot will also be turned to the rightward direction. The faster you approach, the steeper your shin angle will be. That's because you have more horizontal momentum that you need to reorient in a vertical direction. The block leg has very little ground contact time. So you're looking at around two tenths of a second that that block leg is going to be on the ground. Compared to the plant leg, which is going to be on the ground for about 0.4 seconds. So four tenths of a second. Phase four of the two foot approach jump is your takeoff. Your jump height is determined by your velocity at takeoff. At the end of the day, that's what this boils down to. However fast your body is moving at the time that you are lifted off the ground dictates how high you will jump. That's physics. That's why if you have a jump mat, that's a pressure mat. That's why if you just jump up in the air and you land, we can figure out how high you jump. That's an equation that's based off of your velocity, which we figure out by how long you're in the air and the fact that gravity accelerates everything back to Earth at meters per second squared. Okay, so then let's cue the summation of speed principle. You want big, strong, powerful muscles at the center of the body to transfer all of their momentum down the body, okay? So if you don't like sciencey stuff, if you're just in this for the quick takeaways, skip over this part. It's going to get a little bit nerdy. You don't really need to know this so much. There's not a whole lot that you can consciously focus on and change. Uh, so just skip over this part. 
But if you like the sciencey stuff, if you like the nerdy details, stay tuned. Okay, so we're going to focus on three principles. The law of conservation of momentum states that the, that momentum can neither be created nor destroyed within a system. Okay, the law of conservation of momentum states that momentum can neither be created nor destroyed within a system. Principle number two I want to focus on. The equation for momentum is mass times velocity. So momentum equals mass times velocity. Principle number three, your body is a system. So while it's not truly an isolated system and these don't apply 100%, there's going to be some momentum that's lost. Um, it's still applicable on a large scale, on the grand scale of the big picture theoretical takeaways. Your body can operate as a system. So recapping the first one there, the law of conservation of momentum. So momentum, mass times velocity, states that momentum can neither be created nor destroyed within a system. Your body is a system. So within your body, momentum is going to not be created or destroyed. It's going to be transferred from one place to another. Again, the last part here where the body is a system isn't 100% accurate. So these don't apply a million percent. So don't take this to your physics professor and treat this as gold. But the theoretical takeaways do apply. Um, they would just have some, some variables that aren't accounted for here. If your big body parts, so those with higher mass, transfer all of their momentum down to the smaller body parts down lower down on the leg, then those smaller body parts will move at a higher velocity to conserve momentum and compensate for their smaller mass. So momentum equals mass times velocity. The big, powerful areas at the top of your body or in the middle of your body, so like the glute region, the quad region, as they transfer their momentum down the leg, down to the smaller knee joint area, down through the calf, down into the ankle, down into the foot, down into the toes, each one of those gets progressively smaller, has less mass. And so to compensate, to conserve that momentum, that joint has to move faster. That area has to increase its velocity to conserve momentum. If your smaller body parts delay moving until the larger body part above it has reached its maximal velocity, then more momentum will be transferred. So how does this play out in a jump? If your body waits until the very last moment to spring your ankle downwards, and we call this plantar flexion, stepping on the gas pedal, uh, we call that, that motion plantar flexion. So if your body waits until the very last moment to spring your ankle into plantar flexion, you're going to maximize the amount of momentum that's transferred all the way down. If you plantar flex too early, so if your knees still have a large degree of bend to them and you start uh, plantar flexing your ankle, then you're not going to maximize the amount of momentum that you could possibly use in that jump. This is how you ensure that your body is moving at the fastest possible velocity at takeoff, which gives you a higher jump height. Okay, to recap, that's a lot of information. Some of it's straightforward, practical information. Some of it's background science that you don't necessarily need to know. The big picture takeaways that we talked about at the very, very beginning that you have a little bit more context of now are, number one, optimize your approach speed. If you run too fast, you'll be leaving too much momentum on the table. If you run too slow, you'll drift too far forward in your jump. The whole process, this whole, the whole reason somebody jumps higher with an approach as opposed to just standing there is because you build up horizontal momentum beforehand that you then try to use in a vertical direction at takeoff. 
Some people don't jump any higher with an approach than they do with a standing vert. That's because they don't efficiently use that horizontal momentum and they just restart that jump when they're standing underneath of whatever they're trying to jump up to. So if you run too fast, you're going to drift too far forward because you're not going to be able to take all of that horizontal momentum and use it vertically. And if you run too slow, you'll be leaving too much momentum on the table and you could jump higher if you had a bigger run up. Number two, takeaway number two, have a big penultimate push. A long penultimate sets the stage to take everything from horizontal to vertical. Takeaway number three, master the slight turn on your plant and block landing so you can have a steep angle. You have to be strong enough to handle a steep angle though. If you're not strong enough, you could end up hurting yourself. A two foot approach jump is something you have a lot of control over. You can change your technique. You can make a very big impact on a two foot approach jump. You just have to put the reps in. You have to retrain the technique. Some of you, it's going to click instantaneously. Some of you, it's going to take weeks and weeks to figure out, but you can do something about it. I want to finish with a quick thought, a quick thought on how no one cares. No one cares about your athletic career. At some point, your athletic career is going to be washed away into oblivion. No one will care about what you accomplished. This happens to everyone. Some people just delay it longer than others. Tom Brady is going to be relevant and people are going to care about his accomplishments for a generation or two, but then he'll be forgotten about. Just like if you ask somebody about a football player from 1905, they won't know anything about him. Me? My athletic career is pretty much already forgotten by everybody uh, except for those close to me. And I played Division I football. I had a successful Division I football career. At some point, nobody will care about that anymore. And I don't say that out of nihilism. I don't say that to make you all depressed and sad and feel like you're wasting time or anything like that. I say it to remind you to play because you enjoy it. Remind those around you to play because they enjoy it. Don't chase athletic greatness because you want to impress everyone with a bunch of scholarship offers. Do it because you love it. Enjoy the moment for the sake of enjoying the moment. Enjoy working hard to accomplish a difficult task. The best part, if you truly love what you do, you'll end up being great at it anyways. Until next time, be greater than. Yeah, straight A student, but I'm friends with the cool kids. Following the rules and the rubric. Freestyle on the...